how quickly things can change. One minute, things are going great. The economy is in the best shape it's been for years. Employment is at an all-time high, and for the majority of Americans, life is good. Then COVID-19 hits our shores. Over 700,000 jobs are lost in a month. We're told to stay at home, and people are dying from a new invisible virus. Things can indeed change quickly. But that shouldn't surprise us, especially during the Easter season. In less than a week, the multitude went from crying Hosanna to crucify him. On Sunday, garments were cast on the road before him, and by Friday, lots were being cast for his garments. Last week, we were given a glimpse of Christ's glory when three disciples were eyewitnesses of his majesty on the Mount of Transfiguration. This week, we find them facing life's problems as they come down from their mountaintop experience. Peter didn't want to leave. In fact, he suggested that they build three tabernacles and just stay there. But God said no. Our religious experiences aren't meant to be an escape from life and its problems. They are intended to equip us to face them. The times we spend together in worship should prepare us to deal with the struggles and disappointments of life, to be made ready to confront them, to conquer them, and to even find a blessing through them. And there are indeed some valuable lessons to learn about facing life's problems by looking at what confronted Jesus and his closest companions when they came down from the mountain, beginning with the need to keep problems in perspective. And when they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. And immediately when the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. And he asked them, what are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought you my son possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it dashes him to the ground and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. And I told your disciples to cast it out and they could not do it. This sounds like a big problem. And it was for the man and his son. But we need to keep this problem in perspective by remembering what Jesus had been dealing with on the mountain. He had been dealing with the problem of his impending death. Moses and Elijah had even come back to earth to discuss it with him, to encourage him to stay the course. Jesus didn't want to go to the cross, but he knew that if he was to fulfill all the prophecies and the types of the Old Testament, and even more importantly, to free men from the bondage of sin, he had to go there. He also had the problem of convincing his disciples that he knew what he was doing to get them to understand the need for the cross. Jesus 
had been wrestling with a problem that had eternal consequences, and now he comes into a frantic scene of demon possession. Everyone is in a tizzy because the disciples who had remained at the base of the mountain had been unable to cast a demon out of a boy who had been brought to them. Now, demon possession was for Jesus but a minor irritation. He'd cast out many before. He had complete authority over the demonic world. It was no problem for Jesus to cast out a demon. But those at the foot of the mountain saw it as a huge problem. And isn't it true that it's the little problems that give us the hardest time? We can generally handle the tragedies, the major problems and setbacks with heroism. It's the petty problems that defeat us. A family's home is destroyed by fire and everything is lost. But they grit their teeth and pull together. But if someone puts a scratch on their new car, they go to pieces. You know, I don't want to minimize the current problem we're facing. Grocery clerks, first responders, and medical workers are putting their lives on the line to provide for us and to keep us safe. Kelly Donaldson even has to dress like an astronaut to care for those in the coronavirus ward. Most of us, however, aren't on the forefront of the battle. But we go stir-crazy because we have to stay home. Worry that we're going to run out of bananas and strawberries for our cereal and fret over our diminishing 401k, even though Jesus assured us there's no need to worry about tomorrow. It's the petty problems and irritations of life that we generally handle poorly. It's the temporary setbacks and occasional struggles that more often than not throw us for a loop. Even though those around him thought it a big problem, Jesus didn't let what was actually a very small problem throw him. He faced it calmly and confidently, and so must we. Because the way we handle problems, all of them, big ones and little ones, reflect on our Lord. The scribes were shaming and heckling the disciples for their failure and were no doubt getting in jabs at Jesus. The disciples claimed that Jesus had given them the power to cast out demons, but now they couldn't do it. What did that have to say about the one who gave them the power? I'm sure the scribes made the most of the situation to discredit Jesus, and that may explain their shock and amazement when he arrived on the scene, they weren't expecting him to show up. When he got there, everyone quit arguing. But Jesus knew something was up, so he questioned them. The father of the demon-possessed boy spoke up and explained the situation. And as we'll see in a moment, Jesus handled the situation calmly and effectively. While the problem was obviously a big one, the child, Jesus knew he could handle it because of his relationship with his heavenly father. And he didn't just count on his heavenly father when the going was rough. He didn't just turn to God when facing a crisis he didn't think he could handle on his own. 
He was always in communion with him and relied on him, even when facing the minor problems and irritations of life. We need to do that as well. When faced with a major problem or tragedy, we cry out for help from our Father and ask for strength to face the problem. But more often than not, we try to handle the little ones by ourselves. Why wait until tragedy strikes to seek God's help? Ask him to help you deal with the boredom, the restless kids, and even the lack of toilet paper. Let him help you keep the little problems, little problems. Jesus didn't let the little problems turn into big ones, and neither can we. Because if we do, it negates the claim that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. If we have Jesus in our life and in our heart, let's make sure he's seen in the way we handle life's little problems as well as the big ones. The next thing we need to learn about facing life's problems is to deal with the problem at hand. When told that the disciples had failed to cast out the demon, Jesus answered them and said, O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion and falling on the ground, and he began rolling about and foaming at the mouth. And he, Jesus, asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. The real problem here wasn't the boy who was possessed. It was the disciples who had failed. Jesus' hand-picked men had been beaten. They were helpless and ineffective. The future of the church would rest on these men. Jesus would be gone in a short time. Would they ever be ready? A lesser man would have given up. And Jesus was distressed when he said, Oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? He wasn't talking to the Father. He was talking to the disciples. Their lack of faith was a big problem, and he would have to deal with it. But that would take time, and it couldn't be resolved then and there. There was, however, a problem that could and should be immediately addressed. In front of him was a boy who was possessed by a demon. So Jesus said, bring him to me. Again, there's an important lesson for us to learn here. When you can't resolve the ultimate problem, deal with the immediate problem that confronts you. If we just stew about the state of the world or the threat of a pandemic, we may well give up. The problems look too large, the situation hopeless. The thing for us to do is get into action, doing what we can do in our little corner of the world, in our homes, our church, 
our community. Jesus wasn't paralyzed by a problem that loomed in the future. He dealt with the immediate situation. And the surest way to avoid pessimism and despair is to take what immediate action that you can take. At least you'll be accomplishing something. You'll not just be spinning your wheels getting mired deeper and deeper in a pit of depression. Jesus dealt with the situation at hand, and it was a sad situation. The boy had been possessed by a demon that had made him deaf and dumb since childhood, and even worse, the demon caused him to go into convulsive seizures that put his life in danger. While this wasn't the biggest problem on Jesus' mind, it it was a big problem for the father and his boy. It was a situation that needed Jesus' attention, and he could do something about it right then and there. So he acted. If we would do what we can, when we can, about the situations we face in life and not stew about the problems over which we have little control, we'd find a large part of our anxieties disappearing. Jesus did what needed to be done. And that should remind us that no matter the problem, Christ can handle it. The father had said, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father cried out and began saying, I do believe. Help my unbelief. The father had originally brought the boy to be healed by Jesus, but he was gone praying on the mountain. And the disciples said they could handle it. But they failed. They couldn't help the boy. And now the father's faith lagged in Jesus himself. The disciples' failure had made the father question Jesus' power. If his disciples couldn't help, maybe Jesus couldn't either. So he approached Jesus cautiously and said, If you can do anything, help us. Jesus responded, If you can. Now, it's not clear. Whether he is questioning the father, you know, what do you mean, if you can? Or simply saying it's up to the father, if you can. Either way, it was a matter of the father having faith in Jesus. Nothing is impossible with God. But the man's faith had been shattered by the disciples' failure. Could he now have faith in Jesus and his relationship to God? That was the question he had to answer. And indeed, our faith must be focused on the person of Christ. We can't let the failure of a church or a preacher or an elder or any Christian discourage us to the place where we lose faith in Christ. People can fail us. Christ never will. As long as we keep faith in him and trust him to see us through, he will. This was the faith the father needed. Well, he admitted his faith had been shattered, but he did believe in Jesus. Still, he recognized the need for a stronger faith, so he asked Christ to help him overcome his unbelief. I like that. 
A faith that declares itself openly and at the same time recognizes its weakness and pleads for help is a growing faith. This man's faith wasn't all it should have been, but it was growing and Christ honored it. Let's see how. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and do not enter him again. After crying out and throwing him into a terrible convulsion, it came out. And the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him, and he got up. This looked like a big problem to the father and to the disciples. Yet when they gave it to Jesus, it was no problem at all. The problem had gotten out of perspective. It looked hopeless. What could Jesus do? He could handle it. That's what he could do. There's nothing he can't handle. Christ is bigger than any problem. We must never forget that. And we won't if we don't forget to pray. And when he had come into the house, his disciples began questioning him privately. Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. The disciples were puzzled by their failure. They had cast out demons before. Jesus had given them the power to do so, but now they had failed and couldn't figure out why. According to Matthew, Jesus told them they failed because of the littleness of their faith, adding that if they had faith as a mustard seed, they could move mountains. Now, we've studied mustard seed faith before. And it's not the amount of faith that makes the difference. It's what that faith is based upon. A very small amount of faith on the right thing or person is all that's needed. Jesus isn't suggesting the disciples needed more faith. They had just lost faith in him and their relationship to him. It was probably because they didn't like what he had to say about a cross. He had told them that he was going to suffer, be rejected by the religious authorities, and be killed. He also said after three days he would rise again, but they didn't hear that part. All they heard was the part about him dying, and that if they wanted to follow after him, they would have to take up a cross and follow him. Peter even reprimanded him for saying such. Their faith in him was shattered. They lost faith in who he was. And as a result, they had lost contact with God because no one comes to the Father but through faith in his Son. They had failed because their connection with the Father had been disconnected. What they needed was to get back into a proper relationship of dependence on him and began praying again. They had decided they could win spiritual battles on their own, but they couldn't. They had no power over demonic forces. 
The only way to free the boy from demonic possession was through prayer to the one who did have such power. Now, some lesser manuscripts add fasting here, making it look like Jesus was suggesting that this particular situation required more than prayer, but that's not in the best text. Neither is, is he saying it would take a special kind of prayer to drive the demon out. All they needed to do was maintain contact with the one who did have authority over demonic forces. The disciples had gone off on their own. They had developed a faith in themselves and what they could do, but had lost contact with the source of power. How often do we do that? How often do we take off on our own without even noticing it? And then all of a sudden we find ourselves unable to cope with problems similar to ones we had conquered with ease before. When that happens, we need to ask ourselves if we've lost contact with God because we've lost faith in Christ. Have we started trusting in ourselves because Jesus didn't do something we thought he should have done? If we have, we need to confess it, reaffirm our faith in him, and reconnect with the Father through prayer. Never forgetting, however, that prayer is not some magical formula to make God do what we want. Jesus wasn't telling the disciples they failed because they didn't say the right kind of prayer. They had simply lost faith in him and needed to get back into a trusting relationship with the Son of God. A relationship that is demonstrated by prayers of faith Prayers that freely express our desires, but acknowledge a willingness to accept his will and to trust him. The disciples didn't have that kind of faith yet because they hadn't witnessed the resurrection. He had told them about it, but it hadn't happened. We can do so today because it has happened. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And the one who conquered death can be trusted to handle the problems we face today. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for making it so clear to us that Jesus can handle the problems we face. Help us to trust him. Help us to trust you. Help us to bring our prayers of faith before your throne of grace. Confident that you hear us, not because of our goodness, but because of Christ and who he is and what he did and how he died for us and rose again and has promised to come back for us. Oh, Father, that, that gives us every assurance we need that you can handle the struggles we face. 
Help us not to become overwhelmed with little things or things we can't handle. Help us just walk by faith in the resurrected Lord, knowing that someday, someday, all this will be behind us. And someday, we'll acknowledge the fact that whatever we have to go through now is less than nothing compared with the future you've prepared for us. We celebrate that future today by focusing on our resurrected Lord. We praise you. We thank you. We yield before you. We live our lives ever focused on who you are and what you've done and that we serve a risen Savior who's in the world today. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.